0: This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, Embrace Submission With Wisdom from the book of 2 Corinthians. So there's this beautiful verse in 1 Corinthians where in 1 Corinthians, (laughs) even though we're in a review of 2 Corinthians, there's a beautiful verse in 1 Corinthians that talks about how Paul is the father of these different churches. And he's imploring them, and he's saying, "As your father, please listen to me and also imitate me." And so we see this dynamic at play uh, in 2 Corinthians, and that's really kind of what we started with. Remember, they're kind of like teenagers; they want their independence, but they really, sh- you know, they're they're actually ending up uh, in some some problems with that. And so he's inviting them back to this idea of going, you know, let's call you to maturity embrace submission with wisdom those are your first two blanks we've been if you didn't get that OG, i know you all got that right yeah i'm telling you the og puts you all into shame out there they know what's up they're sharp they're on it right og yeah there you go okay so uh we're the the ig which doesn't really work i hate that uh the inside group we need to like come on step up your game that was our sermon kind of thing, is this whole idea. Uh, did you get it already? Am I in? Wow, wow. Very fast. We got amazing tech people. This is amazing. Okay. Boom. literally just this morning's sermon, so don't go too far. Yes, I won't. I won't. I won't. Uh, so here we go. He's calling us to maturity. In 1 Corinthians, it was embrace unity. In 2 Corinthians, it is embrace submission with wisdom. If you think about immaturity, it's easy to be divisive. That's easy to do, right? Uh, You have to learn how to embrace unity with people who may have different values than you. Uh, And secondly, then, uh, the immature thing is to be independent or, uh, you know, just to be submissive without thinking through who you're being submissive to. The mature thing is to embrace submission with wisdom, which has been our theme, all right? So here we are. Uh, Going through our blanks. Okay, there's a big idea here. We've been talking about this, evaluating spiritual authorities. The big idea, the big question is, are their actions motivated for themselves or for others? Whose kingdom are they trying to build? If, If you were to kind of wrap it up, if you just wanted a broad way to kind of think through that, that's a good tell to ask yourself about spiritual authorities. Now, remember, we talked about spiritual authorities... Yes. When we did that, we asked that, do we, we, we said, let's think about ourselves first, because we we're supposed to submit to one another, which means that we have authority, kind of, over one another. And so instead of first thinking about others, let's think about ourselves. So all these questions are inwardly directed, but, and so you, you ask yourself, am I the type of person that should have the authority to speak life or counsel with my family, and for my friends, my neighbors, and my coworkers, Then you begin to think about it and go, okay, now the different authorities and partners that I have in my life, are they these types of people? These are the tells. Are their actions motivated for themselves or for others? Are our, it should be, I think, did we get the right one? Did you get the right one? No, this isn't looking right. That's not it. Okay, so here we are. Now, I'm going to go to my sheet because that's what I got in front of you. Okay, so there's five big questions that I kind of, when I was doing the synthesis of this whole book, five questions kind of popped out to me. Now, remember, if you were to go through 2 Corinthians again, this is not going to be exhaustive, right? The Word of God is living and active. And so there's something amazing about the living and activeness of of Scripture. And, And when you go back through it, you're going to find new things. So when I'm offering this to you, it's simply our most recent journey through 2 Corinthians that I'm offering you for to consider. Uh, But let's go back again, and then, in fact, why don't you guys go read it, and then be like, hey, Pastor, uh, you missed some things in 2 Corinthians. I'd like to invite you out for coffee. And I'd be like, all right, I'm excited to hear what you saw because that's what happens, right? It's kind of like an archaeological dig you kind of keep brushing things away, and new things pop up. It's kind of like being in a relationship with somebody. The more you are, the longer you're in that relationship, the more you learn things uh, about people. Uh, What I learned about my, my wife most recently on our trip to New York City is how long she can spend in a museum. It's a long time. It's a long time. Do not go to the Met with Rebecca, unless you're prepared to being there for a long time, okay? It was a surprise. Some things are a surprise that you learned. Okay, so the five questions that I have for you are these things. What is the testimony of our encounter with adversity? That's the first question. Second one is how do we conduct ourselves in the world? Third is how do we conduct ourselves towards others? Yes, thank you. How do we conduct ourselves with money? And then the whole back page is basically, uh, you could kind of like, it's almost a reflection of, of those first four questions. Uh, are we ministers of the Spirit? And we're going to give you some tells of what it looks like to be ministers of the Spirit. And in some ways, it's kind of a synthesis of everything uh, that, that we're seeing there uh, on the front page. All right, so let's go through them. What is the testimony of our encounter with adversity? Do we recognize the big picture? Man, instead, when we face adversity, and look, the reality is when we go through life, like we have to have that worldview that sees that there is a spiritual world that is undergirding, intertwining, and surrounding our material world. If we don't have that, if we're just in the material world, and we're just like, ah, this is just a material world, get me possessions, and let me eat, and do all that kind of stuff, we've missed it, because there is a spiritual world that is undergirding, surrounding, and intertwining our experience and there's conflict in that spiritual world. The conflict is, is a result of the fact that there are malevolent forces at work. Those malevolent forces have followers, right? Satan has a group of, of demons that he has as well. But not only that, they come as angels of light. So we're a little bit caught off guard because we, at first, at first blush, we're like, well, maybe they're good for us. And then, unfortunately, humans, even Christians, are susceptible to those. That's why Paul's writing this letter. He's coming back and he's saying there are false apostles that you are kind of starting to follow, but they do not intend good for you. They are malevolent. They are only concerned about themselves. And if if you don't have that built into your worldview, and you're just kind of a materialist, uh, then you're going to run into some turbulence in life that you're not going to be able to explain. And that turbulence or adversity is going to uh, probably in all likelihood the, the typical response is to be to look inward and myopically and and focus only on that adversity but for the person of faith especially the leader your authorities they should have a big picture and go oh there's a bigger thing going on here that's the story of job When you read through that whole book of Job, Job's going, wait a minute, I've dealt with my sin, Uh, this is not the reason why I'm facing this adversity, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to teach me? Oh yeah, God was trying to teach him something, and he was trying to teach others through him, right, about who this God is and and what we do with this corruption. You know, corruption will have its day. That's the sad reality, is corruption will have its day, and the Lord is allowing corruption to have its day for a purpose so that we know that when we chose a will apart from him, that that nothing good comes from that. Corruption is the response. So corruption will have that day, but it won't have the final day. It won't have the final say because there's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life. He does that through the forgiveness of sins offered in Jesus' name. And because of that, that corruption, that adversity that, that we face allows uh, authorities who, who have that hope to be able to see the bigger picture and to be able to proclaim a hope beyond ourselves, beyond that adversity, right? Those are the types of people that you want to be in partnership with, that you want to be in relationship with. Otherwise, it's pretty miserable because you're going to get together with people who have no hope and all they're going to do is complain. And be like, oh, what was me? This is terrible. And yet, people who have this hope they come back and go, oh no. When I see death, uh, what that means is there's the God who's able to raise the dead back to life right around the corner, and He's ready to work. You just have to have some hope and hang in there, right? So we have this confidence. What is the testimony of our adversity? When we're engaging with our family, our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers, are you being a good authority with them? Are you proclaiming this bigger picture and hope on the basis of our confidence in Christ? Conduct in the world is the second thing that we looked at. Are we motivated by greed? Well, let's come back to that, all right? We'll deal with that in the money section. Are we sincere? Ooh, that's a good question right there. You can tell people who are sincere, right, because they really want to get to know you or they really want to hear about what's going on in your life, as opposed to people who really just want to use you, right? That's the difference between as we go into the world, it'll catch people off guard when we stop and we say, well, how are you really doing, right? When we we, we take that sincere approach with people. Is there any difference between us and earthly authorities? Well, I would hope so, because earthly authorities are about power, privilege, fame, fortune. They're about the flesh, right? So as, as spiritual authorities, there ought to be a difference between the counsel that we provide and the counsel that you would get from an earthly authority. You shouldn't be able to walk into the church and hear a, a, a message that is similar to what the, the world is offering, right? It should be different. So uh, your conduct in the world should be noticeably different than the earthly authorities. Are we pointing people towards our efforts? Boy, I hope not. This isn't about our story. It's about his story. Right? And so when 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 something happens, when an accomplishment happens, we step back and we go, man, the Holy Spirit's doing something amazing in here. It's really cool to see what he's doing. Remember that that line by C.S. Lewis? He says says something like this. He says, uh, you know... If if something good has come because of your cooperation with the Holy Spirit, fantastic, that's great. But just remember this. God could have used the dog next door. And that's the reality. He does not even have to use human beings if he does not want to. In fact, one time he used a jackass. That was the acceptable use of the term, okay? Don't give me any grief. Right, He, he literally used a jackass. So... Uh, when, we, when we are used, we point people toward the Spirit of God at work in us. And then are we theologically aware? Oh, that's, that's, that's good. Because Jesus, it, he wasn't just like, hi guys, I love you. You're all welcome. I want you to experience God's love. Um, you know, that's what I'm here for. No, he was challenged regularly, right, by these people who were, who were false teachers and false prophets and and false apostles he was challenged regularly by them and what was his answer it wasn't like just this happy like no you guys are missing the point it's all about god's love no he went back to the word he went back essentially to himself he is the incarnate word of god and every time he was challenged he said it is written right every time he goes don't you know it is written and so as you think about and evaluate whether you are qualified to be a spiritual leader in someone's life, do, what is your, like, what's your basis? Is your basis like seeing what's popular in the culture today? What's acceptable to say? Or is your basis, oh no, I know this guy named Jesus. I know him because I, I read his word and here's what he would say. Going back to the truth of God's word. We have to be theologically aware. And spiritual authorities need that. So we think of what, what Jesus talked about when he was challenged on taxes, when he was challenged on marriage, when he was talked to, to challenged on uh, all these different things, he would go back and say, Don't you know it's written? You, you should have known you're, you are the teachers of Israel and you don't know this? Right? Because he was theologically aware as well. What is your conduct towards others? Are we using our authority to empower others? Ooh, major tell. Major tell, okay. If you're kind of evaluating spiritual authority, and you kind of want to really say, is this person somebody I want to partner with? Is that person empowering others? Now I have to say, I just did redid a floor in my house, and it was like you know you have to click the thing in. It, like it takes a little bit of like you got to figure some stuff out. And Calvin came in, and he's like like I'm one track mind like you can't interrupt me when I'm in the project I'm right? And he comes in he's like, "Can I help?" And I was like, "You can help by getting out. Like just leave." And like he kind of like, ah, "That was really rude." And and he left, right? He didn't cry. He's tough, okay? He didn't cry. Only on the inside. His heart was only broken on the inside, okay? I was thinking immediately after that, I was like, oh, that was terrible parenting because a parent really ought to endure the hardship of empowering somebody. It takes time, right? Like you can do it faster yourself, but the reality is you're gonna be alone someday. If you don't empower people, you're gonna look around, like the Lutheran church looks around and they're like, where are all the young people? I'll tell you where they are. You never empowered them. You never once empowered them. You said, I got it, I got it. And you never allowed them or invited them in to be a part of the community of faith. That's why our churches have such a generational divide right now, because we're not taking the time. So you want to find a good leader, a tell, somebody who is empowering people. Now watch this. Be careful, guys. Be careful. A good leader will empower women. Okay? Uh, and we're talking about husbands, right? This is, everything you can talk about, being a good husband, means that you are empowering your wives. We are called as co-laborers to go into the chaos to bring order, purpose, and life. You know what he says? He calls them experts. That's the language. That's the Hebrew behind, the, behind that, right? Experts. Like you can't do it without her. Okay? Same in the church. Like, leaders have to be able to kind of go out and be able to look around, not just look at young people and empower them, but look across and go, ah, I got a lot of women. Now, when I say that, I, I miss this in the Lutheran church. I want you to hear very carefully. I miss this in the Lutheran church. You ready? What I mean by that is, you do not abdicate your own role. Okay, men? I do not mean that you abdicate your role and go, you know what? You guys are the experts. Go ahead and do it. No, it's we're experts together. We're going to do it together. And I need your help. Right? So empowering others is a good sign of a spiritual authority who has is, is, uh, got this, right? Who's got this faith going. Are we calling others to something higher? Oh, man, our culture needs this so badly. Think of the young people today. They are the byproduct of a couple of generations of us saying, Ah, you're just random chance, okay? It's a miracle that you're here because evolution, you know, like, but you're random chance. You have no purpose. You're just a blob floating around in space, pop, pop, blah, blah. Guess what? That has, that has impact on a society, and we're seeing the fruit, the bad fruit of that message going out, but not the gospel. The gospel comes back, and it calls people to something higher. You are created in the image of God, to bring order, purpose, and life like he did. He left a little bit of chaos left for us to go in to bring order, purpose, and life to. That's a calling, right, that we have, that we can call people to, that gives people a purpose. And when I think of that higher calling, like we talk about the Jesus way, right? That's a calling. I am inviting you to see that there is a way that you can experience Life, right? Life is good. And so there's this, high, my wife's a teacher, right? Let me tell you one thing. She never lowered the standards and was like, okay, you can't seem to be doing it, so we'll lower it down so that everybody can pass. No, you know what she did? She raised the standards. Ah, she. If you were in her classes, hmm. It was not, I had to dial her back, I was like, hey, they're just freshmen, right? She right, She was like, she called, she was like, I know these kids can do it, right? I know that they can read these books, and I know they can, they, they can report, and she called them up, and you know what the kids did? They stepped up. That's what the gospel is inviting us to do. It's, it's calling us to something higher than what we would we, have, The enemy just lowers it and just says, there's nothing for you to do. No, there's a great calling that we have. As your conduct toward others, are we willing to explain our motives? Oh, man, I hate this one. This one, I have to say, I'm not, I'm a little questionable. I'm still talking to myself and wrestling with God about this one. I hate explaining my motives. Just believe me because I say it. How's that? Not good, right? No, you have to be able to be willing to take the time and say, here's why I'm inviting you to do this. Here's why I'm asking you to consider this. Here's why right? a good leader is willing to explain themselves and not just fall back on the authoritarian, do it because I said, I, because I said so. That works up until a kid is 13. And then all of a sudden, they're like, I'm out. Like, why would I do this? Another one, are our wounds for others' growth? You know, there's this great verse in Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. At least two, maybe three of those kind of have a negative thing to it. But this idea of Scripture, it is useful for our growth and our life and our good. And and when people... uh, have that well when leaders have that well they're willing to engage with people with God's word for their good now we're going to get to that ministry of the spirit and the opposite of the ministry of the spirit is you know the ministry of the law right which brings condemnation so you have an opportunity when you go to scripture you can use it one of two ways you can use scripture to bash people over the head with and really kind of like make yourself feel good because, and self-righteous because you're like, ha look what I can do, and you can't do it. Or you can look at it and go, how is this scripture useful for this person and their growth? Are our wounds for others' growth? Let me, I'll give you one little tip. If you're going to scripture and, and you, you, you ask yourself this question, you're like, I don't know if it's for their growth, keep your mouth shut. Okay. Don't don't tell people what you think. If it's for their growth, open your mouth. Right? It goes into these questions right here. Are we able to navigate truth and grace in our relationships? That's the characterization of Jesus' ministry. Truth and grace. Not one or the other. Both. Like, I think most people have this tendency to go one direction or other. The truth people are like, the God's word says, ba-bam! Right? No, that's not grace, right? The other people that are like, ah, God loves everybody, you're fine. We just were so inclusive of it. we want everybody. No, that's you no, know, it's truth and grace. Somehow we have to be able to navigate that tension, and, and then it goes into these questions are we able to receive corrective truth and still be gracious to the giver? Look, if you find a leader, if you find an, a, a, somebody, a spiritual authority, or a, a partner, Who is able to receive corrective truth, you better stick close to that person. I mean, that, what that is, it's a revelation that the person is humble to be able to receive corrective growth and be gracious to the giver. Not every time is it going to be delivered perfectly, but to be able to be gracious and go, okay, I sense that you want my good and my growth. Oh, that's nice. And, and, and these other questions go in line with that. Are we able to give corrective truth in a gracious way? Well, that's, that's important for spiritual authority, right? To think of the good of the others. And are we seeking holiness in our partners? Oh, that was an interesting message that we talked about. Paul literally says you should be seeking holiness in your relationships. And so, you know, young people, if you're still single, well, are you seeking a partner that is going to to be holy with you, set apart, right? It's not just that we live in a material world and we're we're looking for partnership and connection. No, but are we seeking holiness in our relationships with others? How about conduct with money? Now we'll get back to that one. Are we motivated by greed? I mean, enough said, right? If you see a leader who's only motivated by greed, run, run. Okay? Uh, there's a whole bunch of questions that we can ask, and we have asked. This was chapters 8 and 9, the most recent things that we looked at. When it comes to giving, do we know the why? Do we know the benefits? Are we eager? Do you realize that, when, that giving is, is something meant for you that's good for you? Because it gives you freedom from the control of money. Oh, that's nice. The more you grow in your generosity, the more free you will be from the control of money. Right? Think about all the time we spend trying to figure out how do I protect my investments? How do I protect all this? There's wisdom in all that. I'm not saying like you just we willy-nilly, but imagine the amount of time that we go to to spend on that and the the hours that we lose in sleep going, oh, what is happening? No, generous in your giving you get set free from that control that the money has over you, right? Other things, are we affected by the generous? Oh man, when, when somebody's generous, I like it, doesn't it get you excited? Like wow, that was unbelievable. That, that whole pay it forward idea, right? Like you, you, somebody, how many times, have you ever had this experience? I've had this, I, I don't know, I must be blessed. I must be a generous person because when I go through Starbucks a number of times, It has happened where my drink has been paid for. Have you ever had that happen? And you're like, that was really nice. If you haven't had that happen, you're probably stingy. (laughs) No, that's terrible. I can't believe I said that. That's karma. We don't believe in karma. Well, we do a little, we're going to get to that here in just a second. The next thing, but are we affected by the generosity of others? Then when we've had that happen to us, we're like, you know what? I'm going to do that for somebody else. I'm going to pay it forward. I'm going to bless them. Just some random stranger. How awesome is that? Now, I do, when I do it, I'm always like, how much is the bill for the next person? It's under 10? I got it. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Goes into the next question. Are we aware of the sowing and reaping reality? If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you, if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Right? Now, that sounds a little bit karmic, But it's all tempered by the Proverbs, right? Because the Proverbs really speak to about 90% of our life, right? These general principles that are generally true, but every once in a while, grace trumps. That's why we don't believe in karma, because grace trumps. It's a wonderful U2 song that talks about, the name of the song is called Grace, and it talks about that. It it, it personifies grace as this this woman and, and, and contrasts it with karma, and it's beautiful, To see how grace is so pretty and beautiful and wonderful in our life and the reality is that there are some principles that we can follow but grace trumps do we have the freedom to give accordingly oh that's nice right sometimes we're like hey somebody gave 10,000 bucks and it was awesome you know blah 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 right that's really cool but guess what we really also need to be like hey somebody gave five bucks and actually it was comparable Right, because that five bucks for that person was the same as the $10,000 it was for the other person. And, and in God's eyes, that, that, that's beautiful. So not only is that beautiful, but we also then have the freedom. Like, we don't have to be like, oh my goodness, i got to give 10000 He's asking me to give 10000 No, we're just inviting you to give. You have the freedom to give what you can afford to give. And it's going to do wonderful for you. When it comes to receiving our spiritual leader, this is a great tell for spiritual leaders and authorities. Are we intentional? Or are we just like, hey, give us money. That's what we'd like to have, more money. right? We're going to have some bills probably, so give us money. Or are we like, here's how we're going to impact the kingdom right here, right now. You, you saw our budget. like We're, we're going to get together as elders tomorrow, and one of the topics of the conversation is like, uh, guys, we have a surplus. Like, where, Who can we bless? Right? Like, what, what, I, like, we have this whole big, what do we want to do with this surplus that we have? Because we're not a bank. We're not trying to accumulate stuff. We're here to, to bless people. Uh, and so are we intentional about sharing that vision with everybody? Are we then accountable? Paul made it very, he was very clear. He said, As I'm, I'm taking this collection, but I'm bringing with you, what's his name? You know, the guy that you guys all trust. Right? Because I'm inviting you to give this money to a certain group of people, and he's there to make sure that it actually happens. Right? That's accountability. A good spiritual leader is going to have that accountability. Are we including others? So this isn't just a one one person show. This is like, this is good news, folks. Like this is for all of us. Right? Conduct with money. Okay, now I put it in bigger font. Oh, not on mine. Mine's still tiny little font. Yours should have big fonts on the back because this is the ministry of the Spirit. Here's what I'm giving you homework. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take this home and I want you to just go through and evaluate yourself, okay? Because you are ministers of the Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you're a minister of the Spirit. So people around you ought to be engaged, experiencing what? More what? Yeah, life. Specifically, freedom. Freedom. Because where the Spirit is, there is freedom. So, are people experiencing more freedom around you to be bold? I'm not talking about East Coast bold. There's a difference between East Coast bold and Spirit bold, right? East Coast bold is like mostly offensive, Spirit bold is like, man, there's a gospel I'm not ashamed of. Right, there's a difference, okay? So are, are people experiencing that around you? Are you giving them, are you empowering them to be bold? Are you empowering them to give them the freedom to speak hope, right? That should be something that the more, the more people hang around somebody who's this minister of the spirit, the more they should be like, there's hope, folks. Like, don't get down. There's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life and, and you gotta be looking for that. To be warm-hearted, this is interesting, warm-hearted right there, right? That you have this opportunity that the more people who are around a spiritual leader who is ministering by the Spirit, people should be more warm-hearted toward one another. One of the nice things that I hear oftentimes about people that come in, in fact, it happened last week. Uh, We had some visitors, and and they said, you wouldn't believe how many people came up and, and greeted us. And I was like, oh, thank heavens. Like, I'm, I, I, like I, I like greeting people. I like woo, I'm a certain, like, I like to touch it, but I can't do it alone. And when I hear about our church that people are warm-hearted and greeting, oh, that's good news to me. Well done. Keep it up. Be increasingly thankful. Man, I got a guy in the Lutheran Church. He's the president of the Lutheran Church. If you don't know Ken Halverson, you've got to get to know Ken Halverson. He is the most thankful person I, I might know in my life. I saw him this morning, and I was like... Ken, how you doing? And he's like, fantastic, life's great. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like, you know, dial it back a little bit. Like, you know, I'm sure you had a week. And he's like, it, it doesn't matter what happened. I don't even remember those things. I woke up this morning. I've got life. I've got breath. Uh, I'm going to eat food today, and I'm going to see people and praise God. I mean, he's just increasingly thankful. Like, you, you want to be around that, right? It's, it, that's a tell of a spiritual authority who is a minister of the Spirit of God that they are increasingly thankful people, to give generously, that people around them are giving more generously. Oh, that, that, I mean, that, that Lutheran church, like you put a need in front of that Lutheran church, they're like, Operation Christmas Show, sure. Uh, Salvation Army, sure. Uh, Maui Relief, sure. Uh, we had the Kona Kids Outreach, sure. Uh, I mean, they, they're like, they're looking for ways that they can give generously, right? It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to see that. Uh, same with us. I mean, we're over budget. Like, what church is over budget? Good. Well done, right? Keep it up. To encourage despite our circumstances. Freedom to encourage despite our circumstances, right? That we don't just look at our circumstances like, oh, oh woe, woe is me, but that we find that encouragement. People are are more likely to encourage despite the circumstances. What about fear fear from the fear of people? Ooh, man, a lot of fear of people right now. In a cancel culture, there's a lot of fear of people. But people who are ministering by the Spirit, the people around them are being set free from that fear of people. Right now, they're coming back and they're going, Oh, the gospel is good news, it's better than anything that you can do to me because I don't fear death. Because there's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life. I mean, if after all I die, guess what? I still experience new life. So, fear the Lord, fear from fear of judgment. Oh, we read some man, we're in the Lutheran church today, we read some judgment passages. Right, there's some passages that talk about the day of the Lord, and you're like, Whoa, what's happening? right? Yes, for people who respond in a corrupt way and say, my will over your will, oh yeah, that's, that's not good. There's going to be judgment. But people who uh, are, are uh, living according to the ministry of the Spirit, well, they don't have to fear that judgment. Isn't that a beautiful thing to not have to fear the very one that can do those things to you? All, all he has to do is inhale his breath and we die. That's all he has to do. And yet we don't have to live in that fear. We actually get called brother, brothers. We get called friends. We get called sons and daughters. He has adopted us into his family. We don't have to fear that. And then we get to, but we do get to fear appropriately. Right? Like there's this idea that we, we, we're not just friends with God. Hey, Jesus, how you doing? Right? But that we're like, oh my goodness. Somehow you are the incarnate word of God, which means that the everything that that, that James Webb Telescope can see. Everything that it can see into the deepest, farthest galaxies is held together by him, the one who calls his friend. So we have that fear appropriately. And then we get to hold the tension of this life and the next. Right? That that when bad things happen, we go, well, yeah, corruption's going to have its day. That's true. But there's another life that we have to look forward to. To see the effects of corruption as a means of life. Ooh, that's good. Right? When a spiritual uh, authority has that, that they, can, that they can come to people and they go, oh, you can be set free from the effects of just corruption, right? Because really what you need is you need hope to recognize that when you see that corruption, life is right around the corner. That's, that's beautiful. Life is right around the corner. There's a God who's just waiting. That's what he does. He takes death, he takes corruption, he's like, I'm going to make new life. It's what I do. It's my thing. It's his identity. It's a beautiful thing. And so we set people free from that. How about free from independence? Look, I know some of you may have bought into the American culture that's like, we want independence. Uh, play that out. Play that out. It doesn't really work. It, well, you get free from that. Right? And you get to see this beauty of interdependence on God and on one another. And you get to see that freedom that comes from that inter- You know the, big, the, big, the greatest thing about being a pastor? At this church, I don't have to do it all. You know why? Because I firmly believe that you all have things that I need. That I can't live without. That I'm desperately in need of you living out your faith. And so we're in an interdependent relationship with one another. You get that, you, that sets you free uh, imagine the, the, the constraints it would be to think that it's all on you. One, one of the greatest things, when I, I remember when we, we started this church and I went away for a vacation and I, I, I went, went away and I came back and I was like, oh man, the church is still going. They don't need me. I can work myself right out of a job. It's fantastic. You, these people love one another. They like to testify with each other and they like to get out on time. I mean, what? crazy, to love others, to cooperate with God's spirit. And then it is a ministry of reconciliation. Here's what that means, folks. Reconciliation means that you chose a will apart from God's, right? And because of that, you, you distanced yourself from him. But now we have this ministry that is allowed to reconcile us and get us back in with God, right? Back into his family, And not only that, it means it has other benefits that you can have reconciliation with one another. All those names and and all those relationships that are broken in your life, you now have the opportunity to be in reconciliation because you've received the forgiveness of God, you can now dispense the, the forgiveness of God. And finally, 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 last one, When you are around a spiritual leader, a spiritual authority, if you are the appropriate spiritual leader who is is living by the ministry of the Spirit, people will be freer to embrace submission with wisdom. I can't even tell you how, uh, like, that's that's powerful, right? Like, you, you have the opportunity to use your noggin, use your spirit, that is guiding you into truth, the Holy Spirit, that is, cooperate with that spirit and understand scripture, and then you can evaluate spiritual leaders, including yourself, and become a good spiritual authority to others, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers. and then you get to look around and you go, you know what, I don't have to just, like, be a part of any group, I get to kind of evaluate different spiritual authorities, this week, I, I did it. I did this. I evaluated myself, and I was like, well, I still have some places that I need to be growing. I've grown because I've been a part of the Lutheran Church, and their leadership structure is different. I have a voice but no vote, which is interesting because Kona Bible Church has been, our history has been a little bit different. I've had a little bit more say in the Kona Bible Church vision. So I've grown in some of these areas that I'm talking about. It's been fascinating and wonderful. But then I started to take a look back, and I was like, I was able to evaluate Bob and Naomi. They're part of our our team. I was able to evaluate Ken and Rochelle. And I was like, "Ah, do I want to be in relationship with you? Do I want to partner with these spiritual authorities in my life? Oh, yeah, I do. You know why? Because they check the boxes. I evaluated Ken Halverson. He's the president of the Lutheran Council. Oh, I want to be in relationship with him. I choose that. I evaluated the bishop. Oh, the bishop of our synod oh, he's good. I don't know if all the entities of that Lutheran church check these boxes. And I'm going to use wisdom guided by the Spirit and the Word of God in order to have that conversation with the Lutheran church. But we get to do that with one another. And then you get to call me up for coffee and be like, Pastor, I done evaluated myself and now I evaluated you and I got some things that I'd like to share. And I hope to be a spiritual authority that receives correction well. Father, that's our prayer. As we go through this, we want to get to know you, your son, even better. Your son exemplified every one of these things. As a spiritual authority, he was perfect in all this and more. And so we're not just trying to fill our head with like some facts about 2 Corinthians. We're trying to get to know your son even better and become more like him. And now we have a, a little bit of a tool here that we can kind of examine ourselves and, and take that, that journey with the Holy Spirit to overcome the natural corruptions that lead us to become spiritual authorities who are not trustworthy. Father, will you, will you bless us with your spirit? pour him out on us that we might be able to, to see the new life that comes and, and be authorities for one another who answer the call. We ask all these things in your son's name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.